My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is the unstoppable Craig Chavez Jr. Craig's a business coach. He specializes in helping people with day jobs launch profitable businesses and successfully transition into full-time entrepreneurship. He's a serial entrepreneur, a returned Peace Corps volunteer, a former D1 college athlete, and received his BSBA from Samford University and an MBA from University of Tampa. He's also a super foodie, a world traveler, a lifelong learner. He's multilingual. He started a number of successful businesses. I mean, it's, he's a remarkable, remarkable person. And as you'll hear in our conversation today, he strikes an incredible balance between big picture, bold vision thinking and nitty gritty, roll up your sleeves, get the work done action. So if you've been sitting on some idea or some possibility and you're not sure where to start, Craig is the guy to help you do it. I hope that our conversation today sparks some momentum in you and sets you off on a journey towards whatever mountain you're called to climb. So let's get settled in. And hear what Craig has for us. Craig, welcome to the Wonder Dome. Hey, Andy, how you doing today? Um, doing good, man. It's good to see you again. Likewise, likewise. It's been uh, just a couple couple of days since we last talked, man. So uh, yeah, well, yeah, I have that. So so listeners won't know that I've had the privilege of sort of spending now probably a couple hours with you. At, at the end of this conversation, it'll definitely be a couple hours. Our, our mutual friend, Jay Klaus, who is also on the Wonder Dome, pointed you in my direction. And I'm so glad he did because you, the way I encounter you as, as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a creative, is just like you are unflappable. You're someone who's really focused on what matters and you're really committed to helping other people keep their eye on what matters most in the midst of everything that's happening in life, all of which can be challenging and hard and, and all of that. So I just really appreciate how you've shown up in our space. It's been really inspiring. I, I always leave our conversations feeling like, ooh, here's a new idea or here's a new action I can take. Well, the feeling's mutual. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed talking about you is like how you're intentional and how before any conversation, you set the foundation for how we're going to show up. And most people are not that intentional. But yet you also would like to roll with the flow. And so for me, I think that's kind of one of the interesting paradoxes about like life and business and being mm. is that as much as you're creative boundaries set you free and mm. you know what you have to do and how you need to go about doing it that actually allows you to be more creative like constraints and creativity go hand in hand and so that's one of the things that's really interesting about how we both show up it's like we're intentional but then we also have fun in between the time or with the time that we're speaking. That's uh, beautiful. Boundaries set you free. I think you might have just given us the title for the episode. Look at that in the first, <laughs> in the first one minute. I won't, I, we'll see. We'll see what else comes up. But I love that, yeah. that concept. What's one place in your life, either in the past or, or right now, where uh, you're seeing that truth show up, that a boundary is actually setting you free to be more creative and more in flow? So right now, I'm participating in this movement called Paying It Forward. And so it's this interesting opportunity where professionals from not, that aren't of color are offering up 15 minutes to 30 minutes of their time or even more to connect with Black professionals such as myself. And so for me, it's been a really interesting opportunity for me to manifest my creativity 
speaking to a hundred people that don't know me, mm. like an unbiased third party perspective of what I'm bringing to the table. And so even though I have an idea of how these conversations may go, some have gone well, some have not happened at all, but then some have been amazing. And so for me, I've just, even though I, I come to the table with a specific ask, since I'm the person on the other side of the table asking for help, I mean, still give myself the creativity, the creative liberty just to sit back and relax and enjoy the show and see what comes out of it. And so that's just been something I've been working on right now is just talking to as many people as I can, sharing my message and seeing what comes of it. Wow. Wow. What I'm struck with as you share that is the way in which this, this sort of mission, like there's someone on the other end of this call who, who, who's quote unquote paying it forward. And like you said, some of these calls are good. Some of them don't happen. Some of them are amazing. So we can kind of get into that, but they're showing up with a boundary in mind. I'm here to help Craig. Mm -hmm. But what I hear you saying is I'm here to have fun. Like you're going to show up and ask whatever it is you can ask, but it also sounds like you are showing up to be helpful to them and to be curious about them and to learn and, and just sort of bring in that spirit into the space. Is that right? Oh, definitely, because it's, it's really interesting because you never know who you're going to get on the other side of the table. Yeah. Now, any of these calls happened, I just so happened to reach out to them and send them information about me. Now, whether or not they prepared for our conversation by reading that information is another story. And so depending on how people showed up on these calls is going to set the tone for how the conversation goes. But it's been interesting how I've been on the side asking for help, but then a lot of times these conversations turning to me coaching and or helping them. <laughs> I love it. Like, it doesn't matter where I'm at in life or whether I'm the person needing help. My whole idea is that to every conversation that I'm having, I'm going to show up filled up and make sure I bring value, whether I receive some return or not. That's just the way I like to show up in the world is leaving the conversation, making that other person feel like they've gained from my presence. Mm, mm. Uh, that's just the way I am, and I, I can't change that. What's important to you about that? Like, why is that a core part of who you are, the pers a person who shows up to add value every time? I think it comes from a disdain uh, of showing up and not getting anything from a certain experience. Mm. So for me, I think my dislike of that feeling forces me to make sure I don't leave somebody else with that feeling that I, that I can't stand. Mm. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to show up one way and then leave feeling another way and vice versa. So for me, I always think about the other person on the other side of the table. And my whole business approach is a value-driven approach. It's not about me. It's about my client, my customer, whoever I'm interacting with. And so I know de facto that if I have them leaving our interaction on a positive note, that's going to help me in the long term. And so it's just thinking more with a long-term perspective and putting others before myself, knowing that at the end of the day, I can't lose if anything goes wrong because I'm going to be satisfied and going to be able to sleep at night knowing I did the best I could mm. at certain experience. Mm. Oh, that's killer, man. Yeah, there's... Um like I'm hearing a lot in what you're saying. One thing I'm hearing you say is there's sort of a, a lovely paradox in that when you say it's not about me, it's about this, this commitment to value, this commitment to experience. You get it, you, when we make it about you again on the other end, you, you get this real feeling of satisfaction, this ability to sleep well at night because I, I think a lot of people go into conversations like that with um, an attachment to an outcome. Like, I really need this to happen. I really want this to happen. I really need to make sure I say this or impress this person or any of that. And it's like, you're just sort of like, look, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to like me or not, but I'm here to, to, to totally be present in this conversation and trust that whatever needs to happen will happen. Is that right? Yeah. It's, it's because earlier on in my career, I suffered what you would call an ego death. And mm. it's, Every creative, every person needs to experience because it's the moment that transmutes your perspective from me to we. And I, I remember 
earlier on, I used to go out in this world and try to prove myself right or try to prove myself wrong. And soon I realized that after I suffered my quote unquote ego death through a business failure of mine, that that was just the wrong way to show up in the world because it's not about me. Mm. And so I realized instead of going out to prove myself wrong or prove myself right, I just need to go out and prove what is. And so just going out and seeking the truth and letting that truth determine whether or not I'm right or wrong is actually more beneficial because I'm not tied to the end result that's positive or negative because the truth is what it is. It can mm. be positive or negative, but that's in your that's in your point of view. And that's where like the ego gets a lot of people, uh, slips a lot of people up. And so me, like I said, this whole value-driven approach like that's just the fundamental truth of business and just in life. You make people feel good about themselves and about you being in their lives. Only good can come out of it. And so with that little mind game that I play with myself, mm. it allows me to operate just with authenticity and nothing else. Mm. Man, well, we got to talk about your ego death because that is a phrase that I don't hear a lot of entrepreneurs or business people or most people in my life. I think that that's a really potent possibility. And um, I, wonder, I wonder if we could maybe explore it a bit more abstractly and then, and then like really dig into what happened with you. Because I think you're talking about what happened with your distillery and, and mm-hmm. sort of the unexpected betrayal that happened, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of, Correct. okay. So let's get to that moment. But first, I just want to say more, a bit more about I would love to hear you say a bit more about what was alive in your ego before this moment. Like you talked about trying to prove yourself right or wrong. What did that, what did that look like day to day? How are you going out trying to prove yourself right or prove yourself wrong? Well, I had this whole image in my mind. I, I crafted this whole persona. So before I even arrived in Latin America serving in the Peace Corps with this whole dream or aspiration of starting a business, I had this whole idea that I was kind of going to be like this black James Bond or like this international man of mystery, this international (laughs) super successful kind of Jason Bourne-esque with multiple passports and just kind of living, living that dream, just being untouchable. And so for me, I was doing everything to prove that right. And that was kind of also something to compete against myself, but then also to show other people, show the world that like, to take me seriously. Like mm. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a qualified businessman. Like I am this, I am that. And so that's where the ego came into play. It was more about trying to show up in the world with this kind of character as you may have it. And so as I went about creating, crafting that persona, I literally became somebody new because here's the interesting thing. Like my first name is Craig, but living in Peru, people can't phonetically pronounce that. So I had to go by my middle name, which is Martin. And I just threw an accent on it. So I was literally going by the name of like Martin. Like that's who I was in Peru. And I, I crafted this Martin persona. And also because I was becoming very adept to the Peruvian culture, I had to adapt to that. So I, my, my voice changed when I, when I spoke another language, mm. became more aggressive because in that culture, like you, you can't just kind of sit back and relax. Like everything was high intensity because the, the culture of corruption was so ever present, everything that I did. So I manifested that whole Martin character wow. reality as I was building my business. But once the business had to be closed, once that was taken away from me, the whole Martin character just died with it. Mm-hmm. But what I ultimately came to understand is that I wasn't creating anybody new, is that this persona, this international businessman, this salesperson, this charismatic individual was already a part of me. I just had to realize what was instead of trying to chase after something that didn't exist. So uh. it's, really, it's really interesting because what I'm talking about is kind of ass backwards, but it's <laughs> the truth. And I'm so glad I experienced it because it, it humbled me and made me show up in a world with more intention, more purpose, and more value. So yeah, does is um, so is Martine dead? Like you said, there's that you actually already have you actually have the skills that you were trying to 
perform into Martine, like he was sort of a stand-in for your ability to make deals, for your ability to confidently move between cultures, for your ability to start new businesses and travel to new countries. That as that persona faded away, you say you started to discover that you actually already had these abilities, anyways. That you didn't need to put on a mask to make them happen. Is is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You still think of that as your inner Martine, or is it just more like, okay, this is the real, this is the real Craig, and I don't need to, I don't need Martine anymore. Yeah, it's this whole whole process of evolution, and I think where we as humans, like, we're tasked with constantly evolving. Because to me, stagnation is worse than death. Like it is death because there's so many mm-hmm. part of this living dead society where like they've stopped growing, like they've stopped learning, they stop challenging themselves. Like they're just all about the status quo. And in my book, Burns of a Dream, like I invoke the book with these following lines. And I say, this book is dedicated to all those who dare to answer their calling, to abandon the status quo, follow the road not taken, and discover the person they're truly meant to become. And so on this journey, you have to take action and, and have intentionality to discover that person you're meant to become. And it really never stops. And so for me, it's like, I thought I had it figured out. I thought everything stopped with that quote unquote, like Martine persona. But fortunately, life had a lot more for me. I just had to be willing to suffer that ego death and be open to continuing upon this journey. And every day is not easy. Like I'm going through a quote unquote, another ego death right now where like I've hit, um, I wouldn't say a a turning point, but a crossroads and how I have to show up in this world and how I have to grow my business. Cause I've gotten from zero to one, but for me to really scale it and get my message out to the true global audience, I'm just going to have to get out and be more of a, a content creator and take my message from book form to more of a, digital form and go on to YouTube and be committed to putting out my message out on a weekly mm. basis. Now, mm. I wasn't comfortable with that, but I know that's the person I have to become to level my business and myself up because like, I've built a business around myself. So mm. if my business is going to grow, I'm going to have to grow with it and be open to suffering these quote-unquote ego deaths at every crossroads I encounter to move me on to the next level. Man, that's righteous. You know, I just learned today or relearned, I was talking to someone who said to me, my fundamental value is compassion. And I, and I, love, I love the origins of words. And I was like, well, what does compassion come from? And it turns out compassion means to suffer together. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the co part is the together part. But the passion part comes from the Latin root to suffer. Mm-hmm. That actually, if we're going to follow our passions, if we're going to be passionate, there seems to be an implication in the very word itself that there needs to be a willingness to suffer. And, mm-hmm. and often one of the greatest suffer, like the greatest things we can suffer is a loss of a part of our identity that we thought was core to us. But what you're describing, which I think is really important, is that on the other side of that loss, there's something even purer that emerges, like a more clarity, more focus, more resilience. You're going, like you said, through another ego death, but it doesn't you're like, okay, I can do, I did it before. I can do it again. Like there's just sort of this way in which it sounds like you're actually even deeper into your passion because you've kind of let go of some of the stuff that so many of us think we need to be successful. All the kind of performative outside stuff. Is that right? Does that resonate? Man, well, perfectly into like the title of the book. Like that's the burden of a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Say more about that. I love that title, by the way. Because like it's like we were talking about and like we were just small chatting before, like life is a paradox. Entrepreneurship is a paradox. Like the creativity and constraints is a paradox, but every dream comes with a high cost. Mm -hmm. And I had to articulate that in my book because so many people go about this creative journey, their entrepreneurial journey, kind of going with this dystopian image that is going to be all um, roses, that's going to be all hunky-dory and that you just, when you follow your passions and you follow your dreams, everything's going to be a-okay. But in all actuality, when you choose the, the, the road not taken, it's a lot more arduous. It's a lot more difficult. There's a lot of twists and turns. You're going to feel like you're swimming up a waterfall. You're going to have to defy gravity. Like the, the path that's straight and wide is the conventional path. 
but this path of following that dream, not even following the dream. Like I put on the back of the, the book cover, it's like, don't chase your dreams. You have to manifest. Mm. Manifest means putting in the work. Um, chapter, I think it's chapter five of my book has um, entitled Magic. But magic stands for manifesting abstract goals in the consciousness. Mm. And when we're talking about a dream, a dream is something like in the ether, like it doesn't exist. It's in your subconscious mind. But if you can transmute that vision into something physical and tangible in this world, like that's kind of like a godlike power, like (laughs) creativity. (laughs) I mean, there's some deep stuff here, but like in order to do that, it takes a lot of work. And it comes at a very, very heavy cost. But what I soon realize is that the universe rewards those are who those who are courageous. And you have to have courage to travel that road not taken. But if you do, and if you bear that burden of your dream, regardless of how you manifest that into reality, because it might not show up the way you envisioned it, but regardless, you will still be rewarded tangibly or intangibly with something that's going to move you on to your next best step or next best phase in life. So Mm. it comes at a cost, but if you're willing to pay that cost, you'll be rewarded in full for that. Wow. Wow. I want to talk, I want to talk more about your process for making magic in a second, but there's just so much in there. And I think what I want to underline the most is like Joseph Campbell said something like, uh, if you're following a path, you're probably on somebody else's path. Mm-hmm. And like that speaks to what you said, like a, the, the paved road, the wide paved smooth road, it doesn't produce a lot of, of pain and suffering to walk on that road. You know, you just like can just glide along it, but it also takes you exactly where it's been laying out. And what I hear exactly. you saying is like, if you have some sense that where that road is going isn't where you want to be going. I mean, if it is great, like sometimes it's awesome to have someone else pave that road and it gets you there in an hour. Beautiful. But if you have some sense that the destination on the other end isn't where you want to end up, then the only other alternative is to either go back the way you came or to find another road or make another path. And that's where that suffering piece comes in because like I'm, I'm sort of picturing this road in the middle of the desert and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, if I go this way, that means I'm going to have to walk through the hot sun and my shoes might fall off. I might need to like run out of water. I might, like suddenly there's a lot of unknowns that come into the picture. And, mm-hmm. and that's when you say that's the cost. Is that right? Like there's just sort of in letting go of the known to step into the unknown seems to me to be one of the big invitations that you're making to the world. Is that right? Oh, for sure. And just to go back to this whole idea of creating your own life plan, like I'm a big fan of quotes. And in my book, like I preface each chapter with a, with a certain quote to foreshadow the story that I'm telling. But the most fitting quote that applies to what we're talking right now comes from Jim Rohn. And he says, if you don't design your own life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. Mm. Now, mm. whether or not that's true and can be applied to everybody is subject to interpretation. But it's just, it's a great way to explain to people, like, if you have this idea for where you want life to be, you're tasked with creating that. Like, my mother always told me, life is what you make it. And I didn't get that for the longest. But then once I understood that, like, to take it back to business, And to tie this all together, like I had to decide to become the entrepreneur of my life. And that's why Mm -hmm. I define entrepreneurship in a different way. I say an entrepreneur is somebody who takes a calculated risk to create something out of nothing and share it with the world. And so that can be a product that can be, but in all actuality, it should be your life and the way you show up in this world. But the key point in in that definition is creating something out of nothing. And so as we know it, like this is the only life that we get and I can't live your life and you can't live mine. And so even if I had a, a twin, exact identical twin Craig that existed in this world, we'd still be two different people. And so yeah. me to make my life the way it's supposed to be. And that's in my vision, my interpretation of this world and how I show up. Mm. So de facto, if that's true, 
I'm going to have to follow my own path or create my own path. And that involves a lot of unknowns, a lot of gray area. But in my mind, that's where the party's at. Like that, that, that's where you really have fun is creativity. You, you can't really create something that's already been made. Like that doesn't really necessarily exist. You're just copying. There's a difference between creating and copying. Mm. You want to create, you have to go into that unknown realm and use your God-given abilities to manifest an abstract goal into consciousness, whatever that shall be. But you have to get comfortable with the unknowns if you define yourself as a creative. Yeah. Man, I love it. And there's a, a, a part of me is sort of listening from the place of who might listen to this conversation. And I can imagine that there's some person who's hearing this and going like, wow, Craig, that's really beautiful. But like, I don't have those skills that you sound like the kind of person who's really cut out for this whole entrepreneurial thing. I'm not, I'm not really an entrepreneur. You know, I just want to get a a job and and do my thing and like get, get paid. And like, that's enough. And I, like, I guess I want to hear what you have to say to that person. But before you jump in, I want to point out two things. One, I know that you personally had a, a point in your journey. We, we had shared with me another conversation where you were trying to do that, play that game of like, let me get a job. And I want to talk about how that did or didn't go. But also now we start to find ourselves at a collective moment where that script is failing lots and lots and lots of people uh, because of this pandemic, because of the economy more generally, like there's a way in which, and if you look at like data over the past 40 years, like you have, you, you point out a data point that only like 20% of people are actually engaged in their job. We see that, that like cost of living has gone up year over year over year, but but the, the sort of when you account for inflation, the amount people get paid in a, in a regular job is about the same for the past 30 years. So it's just like actually a really sh- shitty time yeah. to be a day jobber. And so I think more and more people are kind of looking around and going like, well, what the hell do I do now? And, and now you show up and you're saying like, here's what you do. So I think mm-hmm. you're like speaking to a real need for a lot of people. But I wonder if you could just in whatever way you feel comfortable from your personal story or from your experience working with clients, like talk to that person who's just like, okay, you can do it, Craig, but I I can't do it. Yeah. And I used to tell myself the same lie, but then I realized that in order to get the right answers, you have to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. People don't ask themselves the right questions. And so people are always saying like, that can't be me, but instead you should be like, why isn't that me? Mm. I, like I tell people, like my six best friends in life have always been the same. They've always been the same. They haven't changed in the past 30 years. And their their names are who, what, when, where, why, and how. <laughs> because curiosity has always killed the Craig. Like I, I'm naturally rebellious, naturally mischievous, but I always question stuff. I was like, why? Why is this like this? Like in, in history class growing up, it was like, okay, why are we only getting the European perspective of things? Like, weren't there cultures mm. that added any value to this world? Or how is this person making money? Like, when did they start? Like, what did they use? Like, all these constant questions. And so you really need to question yourself. Like, why not you? Mm. But there's another simple phrase that can help bring clarity. And I tell my clients that I work with, it's like, if you don't know where to begin, look within. And it ties back to what I was talking about earlier, like this whole Martine versus Craig thing. It's like, Martine was already within me. I just had to bring him out. Mm-hmm. Like chase after this vision. He was already there. But another thing with a lot of my coaching consulting with, when I say, if you don't know where to begin, look within. Like there's, like there's three key things people need to analyze before they make their next, next best career move or their next best business idea. So first you have to ask yourself, like, what are my skills? What am I great at doing? Two, the second question you want to ask is, what are my passions? What do I love doing? And the overlap of what I love doing and what am I great at doing can be a really good business idea. And so you need those two variables because to stand out in the market, you're going to have to be highly skilled. You're going to have to offer a great product or service but then you're going to also have to love doing it because you're never going to endure this journey of entrepreneurship if you don't love what you do. Mm. We both know how hard it is yeah. to create something out of nothing and share it with the world. Like it's not for the faint of heart. 
But most people stop there. They, they, they stop with the whole self-analysis because, like I said, it's not about me. It's about we. It's about the market in general. So after you create that best business idea, your next best step, you want to assess, is there a, any market demand for that? Mm. So when there is market demand, that's when you spotted your next best opportunity because money is only a byproduct of the value that you create for others. And so without any demand from the market, you're, you don't have a business. So that whole overlap of your skills, your passions, and market demand is going to be a mutual value creation between you and your customers. And so how I did that on myself and on my personal journey, after I uh, arrived at a crossroads, when I moved back to uh, Columbus, Ohio last year to support family, I had to reanalyze what were my skills, what were my passions. Mm -hmm. So my skills is that I'm a, I'm a great business person. I'm, I'm good at entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I'm a great creator. But what I love doing, what I'm really passionate about is helping people. Mm -hmm. Helping people uh, crossed over with my skills of entrepreneurship and business, that equals business coach. So mm -hmm. And so for me to assess if there's market demand for that, well, I look at what was already existing in the market. Well, there's tons of different types of coaches out there. So that proved that there was an opportunity for me to insert my own coaching style into this market because people are already demanding that service currently. And so that's really how I arrived at what I'm doing. But after that, I realized that what makes my coaching style unique is that I teach from my experiences and my unique point of view, which creates my own unique value proposition, which allows me to stand out from the other coaches that may show up not filled up or show up without any value and they're salesmen and not coaches. So yeah. in the, in the end, just to wrap this up, like if you don't think you're creative, you don't think that you can start a business, you really can. You really just have to uh, look within yourself to analyze what you're great at doing, what you love doing and find out if there's a market demand for that. And 99 times out of 100, there is. Man, I love one of the insights I really want to underline. I love that that kind of uh, those intersections, but I that piece that I think a lot of times I'll speak for myself. I have had ideas in the past that I shut down because I looked out in the world and I saw that other people were already doing those ideas, or at least it seemed to me they are already doing it. But what I hear you saying is that's actually evidence, like if the fact that there are coaches out there, business coaches. Let's say that's the niche you're in who are making a living means that there are people who want business coaches. So that's a really quick, that's like a quick kind of shorthand to be like, well, if some, if this is on the, already on the shelves, that means people will pay for it. And then the question that I hear you digging into is like, well, then what makes me the unique version that it doesn't mean I'll, that people won't buy the other service too, or the other product, but they will buy my product because it has something or service because it has something really special. And that's like, I just want to underline, like, that's actually really useful to see that other people are doing something because that's a sign that the market will, that people will pay for it, right? For sure. It's like, you got to, one of the, like, the secrets, I mean, I hate the word secret, but one of the things that people overlook a lot is customer discovery. And a lot of people go in with false assumptions that really kind of are digging a, a grave for themselves and, and their business ideas. And so the best way to validate your concept is to see, like, is there already a competing alternative? And once you can find that, then you have to figure out how do I innovate upon what already exists? Because fun fact, people don't like abrupt change. People don't like stuff coming out of left field and into their, into their uh, home and expecting uh, somebody like to buy that immediately. It just doesn't happen. So if I know people are like, I want to create hamburgers and there's already a hamburger restaurant in, in where I'm living. Then it's like, okay, well, how do I make this burger juicier and tastier? How can I include more toppings on it? How can I make this thing that already exists better than what people are used to, to attract clients to me or to attract customers? And that's just the quickest and best way to get a business concept off the ground is just to, to solve a problem with something that already exists. And if you position yourself to do so, then you'll be successful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Like I think about if we use the hamburger analogy, like I've eaten lots of kind of hamburgers. 
Like I, like I could go get a five guys burger right now. I could go, so there's a place in the Boston area called Craigie on Main, and they have their like, it's not even on the menu. It's like the secret burger and you pay like $20 for it. And I like, I could go get that burger too. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a room, there's room for like everything on that spectrum and in between. So mm-hmm. if you really love it, then you could probably, what I hear you saying is if you, if you're good at it and you love it, you have passion for it. You're willing, if we use the passion definition, you're willing to suffer for it, which means mm-hmm. another, another way of you're willing to put in the work for it, mm-hmm. then, then there's probably someone who's going to be out there who wants to eat that burger because you're the only exactly. one who can make that particular burger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, never, never sell yourself, never sell yourself short. Because at the end of the day, like the market determines your value. But if you show up, filled up, like I was saying earlier, there's going to be somebody that is going to love paying for what you can provide. Them. Mm-hmm. So you don't know until you try. And most people will be surprised when they bear the burden of that dream and put themselves out there, what happens. Yeah. There's a musician who I love. He's just, he's a, like a road warrior. He's been doing it for decades. I've probably seen him pay, play live a dozen times. I've got all his albums. He's a singer named Martin Sexton. And uh, he's just like a really soulful, like he can, he can huge vocal range, great guitar player, kind of can do the one man show thing, also plays with bands. But um, he said somewhere in an interview, I remember this like 10 years ago, it was one of the sparks that took a while to kind of like catch fire in me. But he's basically like, I just figured out as a musician, I don't need to be super famous. I don't need mm-hmm. a million people to love my music. I just need about a thousand people who are willing to spend about $10 on my music a year. Mm-hmm. And if, a th- if every year a thousand people spend $10 on my music, I'm making a good living. Mm-hmm. And if more than a thousand people spend $10 on my music, like I'm making a really good living. So he just like really leaned into building his fan base without any interest in making it about him being famous or on the cover of magazines. Just like, I want to play music for people and I'm going to, and I'm going to build that, that fan base of a thousand fans, one, one person at a time. He is, I mean, I don't know how many fan, fan, like fans he has now, but he sells out theaters pre pandemic. He's selling out theaters of that can fill a thousand people on one night. So on one night he's making that he's like, there's, there's his living for the year in theory, but now he can play those theaters like across the country. He can play, uh, he can play 50 nights or a hundred nights. Right. So there's this sort of amazing insight that he shared, which I hear you talking about and in, in, in your own way. It's like, you don't need to be the biggest. You just need to be really fucking good at what you only you can do. And that is power. That plus time is really powerful. That resonates. Yeah, I mean, with we're, we're talking about music here, and I, and I love analogies and, and metaphors. And in this whole creative world, you hear people, a lot of people talking about like vibrations, or oh, this person has good vibes, that person has bad vibes. And a lot of that is, is very much true. But like we're talking about frequencies, like we all have our own frequencies. But what doesn't really stick to people is that like that frequency is not going to be picked up by everybody out there. And in all actuality, you don't want everybody to hear your frequency. You only want those people to resonate with your frequency that belong there. And so I've realized that, you know, once people are resonating with your frequency, that static and that uh, noise turns into sound. or mm. And like, that's when people are like, oh, I vibe with this person. It's because like, we're on the same frequency like that's why we're chopping it up right now because like we vibe on a certain frequency those frequencies that we're putting out are very strong and like once we connected like we're super tuned in everything like all like it's all sounds kind of like really like space agey and like what the hell is this guy talking about but it's a hundred percent true like was like sound without like the right vibes is just like noise but once you tuned in with where you're supposed to be like that's music and yeah. you have to find your frequency and Woo. you're just like static and that's where the alignment comes into play but you have to know yourself and you have to figure out who you are and how you should show up in this world yeah you might have just given us the a second possible contender for the show that's <laughs> finding your frequency man i love that yeah. that's uh okay all right cool so now all right i like i'm like that listener you spoke to and i'm like all right craig like I, i'm willing to i'm willing to play i'm willing to at least 
I have a, a pretty good sense of what I, I'm, I'm good at. I have a pretty good sense of what I love or what I'm willing to kind of suffer for and put in the work for. And, and all right, I'll start to see if there's people who want in the marketplace. You've got this, you have, you have this, this process, this magic process, manifesting abstract goals into consciousness. Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so how, tell me how to make magic, Craig. Um, come on, I'm here. Just tell me how to make magic. Where do I start? This is, this is where the fun gets in because there's no right answer. And so one of the toughest parts about entrepreneurship, that I'll give a little nugget, is what I call 3D vision. It's like chess. Everything's strategy. But one of the hardest things about life and chess and business is being able to plan for the future, plan for the future, learn from the past, all while still being able to take massive action in the present. Mm understand like all these different dimensions like of time like to make your next best step and so we all have this end goal of where we'd like to be in life but that may be 50 100 steps in advance Mm. that could make you lose sight of where you actually have to go so what i'm trying to say is that like if you don't know how to get to that end goal what you should really focus on is what is your next best step And if you keep focusing on what is your next best step and you keep executing consistently over a period of time, you'll look back and you'll be like, damn, like I've come really, really far. And I've actually not only gotten to my goal, I'm on to the next one. So it's this this paradox of being paying attention to your future goal, learning from your previous mistakes, but all figuring out how to take your next best step in the present moment. overwhelm people just figure out how can i move myself forward one day at a time consistently because that's another reason why so many people never fail or never manifest their dreams it's because they're inconsistent and they give up too soon Mm. this is like a war of of attrition and like you have to endure this that's why i say entrepreneurship is a journey life is a journey and it's not a marath- it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But you have to keep taking those steps, and you'll look back and you'll be like, "Wow, I've advanced so far." And that's I how love you love that next best step. Next best step. And I feel like one of the filters maybe you're offering up for that is like I've I've worked with a lot of people who are like, I don't, I don't even know what the next best step is. And and so there's a couple of sticking points. One of the sticking points is that they're too caught on the what what appears to be a hundred steps away. And they can't quite figure out, like, they want to take, like, one step and be there, mm-hmm. right? And, and what I hear you saying is, like, you don't, whether that's 100 steps away or actually only 10 steps away, you're not going to really know until you start walking. Mm-hmm. So, so massive action, I think that phrase massive action can kind of throw people off because they think that means, oh, I have to go from step zero to step 100. But what, what I really hear you saying is, like, no, you just need to move half a step forward or a step forward. And a filter you offered earlier to do that is what can I do right now that would add value to the world? Mm-hmm. Right. Is that like, is that a, is that a good filter? If I were to like, if I'm sitting here like, okay, I know what I love. I know what I'm good at. Seems like people might be interested in it. Mm-hmm. What's my next step. It might be like, how can I get, how can I actually use these things that I love and I'm good at to help people in some way or to add value in some way. And, and that could just be the smallest thing. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as small as a conversation with people. And that's why coaches and mentors are so valuable because they've already walked a path similar to where you're going or where you want to go. And so for me, it's like I kind of tell people that like I'm the Sherpa. Like I've been to this mountaintop where we'll <laughs> all get. But like I don't spend time just sitting up there chilling. <laughs> I back down and help people get up to the top. And like, that's where I really enjoy life is helping people achieve like their goals. Because since I've been where a lot of people want to go in terms of business success in quotations, heavy quotations, I know the pitfalls. I know the crevasses. I know where the avalanches are going to come. Mm. I know snow gets really deep. But then I also know that like, there's shortcuts. There, there, there's ways we can avert some of these traps that you that you may run into. But then also, I also know too that like every time I go back down, going back up is going to be different because the person who I'm taking up 
is has a different path that they must follow. Yeah. It's really interesting because like I'm constantly learning and I, I never stay stagnant in what I'm doing like in life and in business. So it always keeps me fresh as well. But that's part of the reason why I did those 100 paying it forward calls. It's like, what is my next best step to get my message and my business out to create as much value? And so I had a, a bunch of conversations with random people, as I mentioned before, and it brought me a lot of clarity for what I have to do next. And so that's how I figured out my own next best step just by talking to people. And that's a simple way that your listeners can figure out their next best step as well. Love it. Yeah, I love it. I don't remember who said it, but I heard a quote that I, that I share a lot, which is like, people always overestimate what they can do in a year mm-hmm. and underestimate what they can do in 10. Mm-hmm. So, there's, so, so if we apply that to this next best step question, give yourself permission to, to not have to solve everything in the next year. Just mm-hmm. trust that if you, if you spend the next year walking, it might, you might look back and be like, oh, I haven't traveled that far. But you've traveled mm-hmm. further than someone who hasn't taken the step. And then if you keep going for 10 years, you're going to look back and go, holy shit. Yeah. That was, I got way further over 10 years. It wasn't just like the same progress every year. It was like each year you're getting more and more momentum. You're getting stronger. You're able to go up the mountain faster. You can do, you have more, more rock climbing techniques than you had when you started. Like all of that stuff means that your steps get more, get bigger and stronger and more powerful if you keep taking steps over time. And I really hear yeah, that in what you're describing. Yeah. And Another thing that trips people up is that most of us are taught that like the path is linear and that couldn't be further from the truth. It's like, we're, we're all told this fairy tale that when you're born, you just go to school, you get educated, then you get a job, then you find your significant other, you get married, you build a family, you, you invest in your retirement, then your peak earning years are in your forties and then you have empty nesters, they go to college and then you somehow retire and you get all this money for retirement and then you live out your life on a beach in, in, in Florida at a retirement home and die happy. And then that's the way life should be. And it's like, and for many of us, it doesn't work out that way, but just straight up, life isn't linear like that. There's going to be so many obstacles and hurdles that pop up just because it's your woman or just because you're a man or just because you're black or Hispanic, like mm. I say, none of our journeys are going to be the same. And so some of these steps that we're going to take, like this whole dimension that we're, that we're in is omnidirectional. That's why I love the metaphor of chess, because you can move forward, you can move backwards, mm. side to side, or you can move diagonally. And mm. sometimes your, your, your next best move is backwards or is backwards a couple of times, or it's, or it's a lateral step to the side. Or you're moving kind of towards your goal, not straight. You're moving in more of a diagonal direction. Yeah. But the first thing somebody could do in life is choose not to move. That's why I put on the book cover, before you see the fork in the road of the two proverbial paths, the conventional and the road not taken, there's a graveyard. Because that graveyard represents indecision. Uh-huh. And most people think an indecision is not a decision, but a Decision not to make a decision is a decision, and it's the worst decision you can make because when you're staying still, you're stagnant in life, that's when you're dead, and that's when you're least happiest, and that's when the other chess pieces can move in on you and take you out. So you always got to be moving in some direction, and that's just one of the ways I think about life. As long as I'm moving, I'm good, but the moment I'm standing still, for too long because life does get tiring. Sometimes we do have to take a break because I also include a chapter about burnout because burnout is real. Like we could overwork ourselves into a pulp and then we get too tired and too lethargic. And that's when the other chess pieces come on and take us out. Mm. But you should always be figuring out how can I move Mm. backwards, side to side, but not just staying still. Mm. Mm. Right on. I love you. Like uh, you have a gift for metaphors. Has anyone ever told you that? I feel like you like live in this wonderful world of like you've got mountains, you've got graveyards, you've got chessboards, and all of it really evokes exactly what you're talking about. It's bringing it to life for me. So I just wanted to to share that, mirror that back to you. You've got a great gift for metaphors. Thanks. Well, it's because like people learn like in in stories and like parables. Like even though I grew up Christian and 
I'm definitely not religious anymore. I'm very, very much spiritual. But it doesn't matter what religion you follow. A lot of these religions are expressed in stories and in parables and in fairy tales. Like I tell people, like if kids have fairy tales, like what do you think they have for adults? This thing called the real world. And so like we're always being told like these stories or there's like there's always these lessons hidden in these cryptic messages. But I just found like that's a great way for people to learn is with like these stories of struggle, these dichotomies or these examples of how they can compare what I'm saying to something that has happened to give them a more actionable result from that teaching. So really fascinating, but I, I enjoyed teaching that way. Love it, man. I love it. I'm excited. You alluded to the fact that you might start be putting stuff up on YouTube and kind of going more digital. So in whatever way it serves that, that, uh, that your ability to sort of speak and teach in parable will probably serve you really well as you start to build that up. Appreciate it. Yeah. So you've said, you've, um, you've said something a few times that really, I love the phrase and I want to hear more about it, but before I ask about it, I want to get a little context. Uh, so the phrase is like, you show up filled up. And I just love that phrase and I want to unpack it. Um, one thing we haven't talked about yet, although you've alluded it to, but you and I have talked about offline is, is the unique challenge to be a black American in any economy, never mind this economy. Uh, and I have another friend who's a really talented um, actor and she's doing some awesome stuff in the world. And she's a black woman. And she said to me one time, she's like, oh yeah, I got to keep farmers hours. She's like, I got to get up at 4 a.m. and like do me before I, before I go into the fray, because no one else is going to do that for me. And it sounds like that's a way that she keeps herself filled up. So I'm wondering if, in whatever way you feel comfortable or called, it just seems to me that one, in general, people keeping themselves filled up, showing up filled up is really important. And then two, uh, to be a black person in America right now is, is puts on unique demands on anyone, whether they're, they want to be an entrepreneur or not. I just like, wonder how those two threads come together for you, how you keep yourself filled up, especially when there might be people who put you in a certain box or expect you to be a certain way uh, as a black guy in America. I really appreciate you for asking that question because my answer is simple. It's like, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. Hmm. And so part of the reason why I got into this whole creative entrepreneurial path is A, because yeah, I was built for it. I'm hardwired for it. I've developed certain characteristics and certain skills that allow me to thrive in this arena. But then I also had to. I had no choice. Like I was rejected by corporate America. I mean, you look at my background. It's like, I don't even have a speeding ticket to my name. Hmm. A from a top tier business school, multilingual, three years of international business experience, 10 years of business experience, super creative, charismatic, servant leader, like, shouldn't I be able to get a job? And I would, I interviewed for positions from startups and mom and pop shops all, all the way up to Fortune 100 companies like Nationwide, and I could never get a job. And it was because of the way I showed up, like the way I, I appeared charismatic, entrepreneurial, creative. You know, I had people tell me, they're like, Craig, you're, like, you're very cocky. You're not confident. Uh. Or some of the jobs that you took, like they were too risky. And I'm like, if I showed up in a different package, like I wouldn't be chastised for it. Like I would be told like how amazing I was. And so for me, that that kind of anger that I felt, I had to transmute that into being more creative. And so I realized like who I am. Like I can't hide who I am. Proverbially come out of a closet or anything. Like what you see is what you get. And if people are going to judge me in a certain way, I can't prevent that. So I have to show up, Philip, I have to show up my best every day because guess what? If I don't show up, then I'm not good enough. But if I do show up, I still may be too intimidating. So like, regardless of how I show up, there's mm. maybe a negative result. Mm. If I show up positively with value, with intention, with purpose, yeah, I'm going to get rejected de facto by certain people. But then there's, there's going to be those people like you that see what I have to bring to the table and are going to be like, man, we should give this guy a shot. Mm. As it's mm. going to create value not for only for myself, but also for the people in my network as well. So for me, I, I know it's sometimes it's a zero-sum game, 
But if it's going to be like that with certain people, I may as well be positive with it every single time because I may get 99 no's, but that one yes and that power of one will be game-changing and transformational. So that's, that's why I do what I do. Ah, that's beautiful, man. So I want to I still go a little deeper into, into what it looks like for you to show up filled up. But one thing that's, that I'm hearing, and tell me if this is right, is there, like, there, I'm feeling really, although I think it sucks that you, you're like this ultra-competent human and you're getting that kind of feedback. I'm not surprised to hear it because I've been trying to educate myself about this stuff, but it sucks. But then I'm also noticing, but like a part of me is like really glad you got that feedback because I just feel like actually corporate America can kind of really, uh, people who do get the job in corporate America often have to mute or, you know, kind of like they get squeezed in and then maybe they make a lot of money. And then 30 years later, they don't have a relationship with their, with their kid. They, they, no, they don't feel fulfilled. Like there's this, we know that story. So I'm really glad that, that corporate America said no, because now you get to, like the upside is you get to do what you do. And, mm-hmm. and I've seen it add value in, my, in our short time together, not just on this call, but in our other conversations. So I don't know. I don't quite know how to put that into a package, but I just sort of think like there seems to me to be a really awesome upside mm-hmm. to, the, to, the, to that particular shittiness. And mm-hmm. I don't want like, to justify that shittiness, but I just like am psyched that you get to do what you do because conventional status quo said, no, thank you. And I wonder how that resonates with you. Like what, if there, how does that land with you when you hear that? Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I love it because like rejection is, is a blessing in disguise mm. sometimes. And I'm trying to think of like the quote that I've heard before, but sometimes like, I think it's like you, sometimes you've got to be careful for what you ask for. Yeah. Once again, going for the burden of a dream because everything comes with this prose and, and cons. And like I said, even though I never found myself working in a cubicle in corporate America, I'm so glad that I've never got that experience. Cause just like you said, like for the way I'm showing up in the world right now, that couldn't work. Yeah. So for me, it was another way of the universe, God, you name it, pointing me in my next best step hmm. and forcing me to become the entrepreneur to life, like I said, I was going to become and make something out of nothing. But by answering those callings and seeing those signs, because that's another thing people don't understand is like your next best step may appear in a form that you can, that you are not used to seeing. Mm. Talk about in my book, pattern recognition. And sometimes those patterns may show up in certain words that people are saying or certain images that keep popping up. That's why people are like are deep in the numbers and numerology. And I don't know how that goes, but you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's deja vu. It's like when stuff keeps popping up over yeah. and, over and over, somebody yes. or something's trying to tell you something. Now, whether you're going to answer that calling or recognize that calling, that's on you. But that's why I'm constantly like ABP. One of my uh, buddies always says, like, always be prepared. So like I'm always in the mindset, like I'm looking for opportunities, even in problems. That's why COVID has really been a blessing for me because it's forced me to level up. Mm. This having my whole business and book launch blown into pieces because mm. I interact with people like I can in person. But I met you because of COVID. I've met thousands of other people through this medium and it's really helped to get my business and my message out more efficiently and effectively than I, than I could ever have imagined. But going back to what we're talking about, it's like, yeah, you have to see when like something or somebody's telling you to go in a certain direction and you just have to go for it. That's your next best step. That's that gray area. And so for me, it was entrepreneurship and I just had to figure out how I was going to show up in that world. And it's been as a distiller, it's been as an app developer, it's been as a DJ. And now that next best step is me being this like, coach and thought leader. Mm. So it's uncomfortable, but uh, I'm answering this calling that the, the world and the universe showed me. I love it. And it seems to me that to, like, to, be, to show up fill, filled up is going to give you the capacity that you're describing to like, notice the opportunity hidden inside the loss. So we only have a, a few minutes left, unfortunately. Like, I feel like we could just keep jamming for hours. <laughs> but 
But like if I'm wherever, like speaking to someone who's just at the start of this journey again, who's like ready to take that first step, they're maybe starting to tune in to that, what that first step is, or they've already taken it. But now they've got to build that endurance, that capacity to like stay flexible and keep going, even when it seems like shit's falling apart. How are you, how do you keep yourself filled up Uh, and, or what would you say to other people? How could they keep themselves filled up as they go on this journey? Embrace failure because mm. such a misnomer in this society, in this world. And for me, I love acronyms. As you can tell, like magic was an acronym. Fails also an acronym. And to me, it means a first attempt in learning. Hey. Whenever you're doing something new for the first time, aka the road not taken, like every step you take, you're stepping further into the unknown. You've never walked that path before. So therefore, with that in mind, inevitably, you're going to make mistakes. And so it's not about you falling down and scraping your knees and breaking bones. It's about how you get up and keep moving forward. And so for me, I've gotten so used to failure that for me, I just embrace it. And it's just like, to me, it's it's inevitable. Like, I'm trying something new. Like, I, I just published a book. I just have my book published. I've never done that before, but it's done well. And I've just done, I've done some things that I made some mistakes on, but guess what? When I publish book number two uh, in a couple of months, I'm going to do that that much better because I look at every experience in life as an opportunity for me to learn how to do better so I can continually taking my next best steps in the mm. right directions that I'm supposed to take. Mm. So don't, don't be afraid to fail. Just make sure that you're learning from whatever move you're making so that you can keep moving toward your goal in the most efficient and effective way. Mm. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. The, the sort of quality of learning. What was it again? Failure. What was the acronym? Failure is... Fail equals a first attempt in learning. First attempt in learning. Right. It's almost like failure is just a shitty synonym for learning. Yeah. If you make it about you, if you go, oh, this failure means I'm not good or, mm-hmm. or I'm not smart enough or, or if you make it about the other person, oh, that person, they just don't get me or whatever. But instead it's just like, okay, this is what it took. This is what I, this is what I did well. This is what I didn't do. There's sort of this quality of uh, objectivity mm-hmm. that can, can really make you quite powerful quite quickly. Because it gives you insights that most people don't garner. So it's like the scientific method, like everything we're talking about is very elementary. Like it's disguised as this complex, like secret mystery formula. It's a scientific experiment. Like I have a hypothesis. I go out and I test that hypothesis. I gather the data from that experiment. And then I retest a new experiment based upon what I learned from the first. It's really that simple. And so, yeah, I may blow some stuff up when I'm pouring all these different ingredients together, being this mischievous alchemist. And I may cause some damage, but then again, I I could learn, okay, maybe that ingredient wasn't good. Maybe I need more of X or different to something else. But then through that experiment, I may create something that's amazing. But it's all about how you learn from those experiments, learn from the moves that you make, and then you just reapply and move forward. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Craig. All right. Well, unfortunately we're coming up on our, our time boundary and I want to respect your time, but I, I have a feeling that people listening to this are going to get a lot out of it and they're going to want to know more. So I'll make sure I put everything in the show notes and all that good stuff. But if I'm listening to you right now and I want to go check out more, where can I find you uh, out there on the interwebs? Where should I go first? Yes, you can find me at creativecraig.com. And so that's spelled in a creative way. So you spell that C-R-E, the number eight, I-V-E-C-R-A-I-G.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Creative Craig, LinkedIn at Creative Craig, and also on Facebook at creativecraig.com as well. And you can also find my book, Burdens of a Dream, at www.burdensofadream.com. Nice, man. Congratulations on publishing your first book. I can't wait till the second comes out. 
I can't wait for us to keep playing together. But uh, for the for now, thank you for being on the show. It's been a real treat. Likewise, Andy. Talk soon. All right, Craig. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Sirqua and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.